Hey, Sugar Fiends. This is, as always, Jamie Love. And today we are joined once again by Sean Hatton. Hey, everyone. Uh, who's no stranger to Sugar audiences as a sometimes contributor, but also as a host on EP Daily. And, uh, you know, we, we had to drag him in because more recently his musical career has taken off with the release of They Bleed Pixels. Uh, which, if you haven't had a chance to play it, I don't know what you people are doing because we reviewed it and told you it was amazing. And it is amazing, and it's on Steam, and you know it's just um, probably one of the best indie games you're going to play this year, I'm pretty sure, because we're getting close to the end of the year. But Sean is here because he did the soundtrack. That's true. Which I believe has, what, 6,000 tracks or something? Yeah, give or take a few thousand. Uh, 54 tracks in total. Um, and it, it felt like 6,000 some days when I was working on it, but... You know, we narrowed it down to just the 54 best out of those 6,000. <laughs> the cutting room floor is really filled with track. <laughs> There's just wave files all over the place here. It's, uh, it's impossible to find anything. Yeah, I've actually been uh, uh, privy to you working on it for a year and a half, I want to say. It has been quite a while. Um, I, think, I think maybe a little longer than a year and a half now. Maybe a year and... Two-thirds? Well, I remember at Newt Blanche last year, you um, you did the, you read the Pixel, or the uh, Chiptune show, and you uh, sampled some tracks from it. I did, yeah, and those were, those were fresh tracks that, at the time, no one had heard before. I had literally just made them, like, the week or two weeks before the show, and I just played those because throughout the development of the game, trailers would come out. Um, I would play the occasional chip show in Toronto and I would play whatever I was working on and kind of get a feel for uh, how the music was by seeing and just hearing what people's reactions to it were. So um, yeah, that chip tune show, I was playing just the mo the more recent ones. Plus I guess you could say quote unquote fan favorites, even though there was like maybe five fans of it at the time. <laughs> Well, you have a lot more fans now, though, because I read a lot of very nice reviews. Um, you don't see it a lot, people talking specifically about the soundtrack for a game. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's, uh, it's. I think part of this, Miguel and Andrew, the guys at Spooky Squid, every time they did a trailer, or even when you boot up the game, like, my name is up there as the first, one of the first credits. There were some trailers where my name was first. It was like, DJ finish him, cross spooky squid which i was like oh what, what the hell is going on over here but it's uh it's kind of neat that they decided to uh to be so supportive uh, in a way i mean obviously they would be because i'm working on the game with them but to see that kind of uh co-headlining i would say uh, of the game is, is quite cool yeah, well, it's credit where credit's due, right? I mean, you've uh, been cranking along all alongside with them for a long time. We've, we have been bleeding our own pixels and, <laughs> and crying a lot of pixels as well. I've been struggling to try and find a way to describe um, what you've unleashed for this album because, um, and I didn't really do it justice in uh, our review of the game, but because I know you would not be a stranger to dancing around to Mega Man tunes, you know, from the 90s. So, I mean, I know you, you are well-versed in old-school music, but this isn't just like a, a nostalgia trip. Uh, one of the things that I really like about the game is its whole visual aesthetic, and seeing the game as a still 
is completely different from seeing the game in motion. And when you look at the game on YouTube and you see these videos that were the official trailers, and then you see the videos that are the fan videos of people doing playthroughs and, and, uh, and I guess, speed runs of the game, uh, you get a better sense of it. But you really only get a good sense of it when you're playing it because it's running at a pretty high frame rate, um, which for a game that has these retro stylized graphics, I mean, everything is so highly stylized. These pixels are very refined, but it's it's kind of an interesting mix of old and new because even though it does look, I see a lot of people describing it as 8-bit, which I think is incorrect because there's so many different layers of scrolling. I would say more 16-bit, but with a, with an 8-bit aesthetic for the character design. But it, even though it reminds us of games from that era, there are things in it that we would have never seen due to system limitations or just due to time limitations on on making the game. Like if Spooky Squid was working for a AAA publisher, the game would have been out already for months but it wouldn't be as polished like there's just little details in there that really stand out as like you know this didn't have to be in the game like these little subtle movements of the character right but yeah i want to talk about the game more but i mean i'm uh i've been working on a project for a few weeks and uh it's involves some audio layering so it's new to me yeah and i'm going through layering uh tracks and sound effects and balancing those two things in a game um i have to ask you how the hell you do that because i've been pulling my hair out with it because i mean it's a very precise thing but i also feel like sometimes you just accidentally make it work Mm -hmm. as as a musician when you're doing it sometimes maybe because there's just so much going on with the audio in a game and with the action on screen at the same time and you know, they bleed pixels just hits this perfect sweet spot. Yeah, there. It's interesting that you mentioned that because originally I was going to do all the audio in the game, like all the sound effects, in addition to the music. But we ended up enlisting the help of Troy Morrissey and Dark Productions, and they're this small crew of guys in Toronto who help out on video game projects, and they're really good at coming up with sounds for special effects and different actions within the game. So. Um, originally, one of my concerns was that the special effects and or these sound effects would interfere with what was going on in the music. And I didn't want things to stand out too much like, oh, my God, like this is going against the tempo of the track. Um, and uh, and so I was really aware of, of the kinds of things that I would use as effects. So a lot of the music is really bottom end heavy. So there's lots of bass going on. There's some mid-range and not too much treble. So I think that the nice thing about the special effects, the sound effects in the game is that they do occupy a part of the audio range that the music steers quite clear of. And I was talking to one of the guys that was working on the, the sound effects and he was mentioning how it was really easy to just fill that audio gap that the music left. Because the music is, is pretty overpowering on its own, or it can be. But within the game, there's certain factors at play, like the volume's not as loud. Uh, there's room for the other audio cues that you need for the game. So he was actually quite glad that I more or less stuck to a, a specific range of frequencies for the actual music. 
I do want to go back to your previous question because I was I started talking about the visual aesthetic of the game, and I just wanted to tie in that uh, my whole approach was to make music that um, gave me a bit of the feel of playing those classic games that I grew up loving, like the eight bits and sixteen bit side scrollers, and even some role playing games. But then to add things, much like the game. T- 16 aesthetics and then adds things that you would never see in a 16-bit game. Right. I wanted to have 16-bit style music, but have instrumentations or maybe frequencies that you would have never heard back then because of system limitations or what have you. Right. And uh, you didn't just um, create fresh tracks, too. What's uh, interesting is for the bonus levels in the game, if people have unlocked those, I hope, and played them. Um, you're remixing some existing stuff. Um, I was uh, guiltily playing the uh, Pony Corns level quite a bit, <laughs> um, and you know, so you had to take someone else's um, sort of some of their audio and uh, make it just make a track out of something that already existed. And um, you know, with that one, it could have got annoying really fast it, too. Right? You know what? It actually was annoying really fast. If you look at the old trailers for the game and the one where they announced they bleed pony corns um i have pony corns as a sample at the end of every measure and it just got to be too much i saw a comment that was like this sounds really good but pony corn i was like oh my god that person's really right i i used that sample way too much i i killed it i flogged a dead pony corn with it <laughs> well i think you um you bounced it out of the yeah when i i got to it it was um <laughs> Not every minute in my ear, because, yeah, that would be a bit much. But Yeah, and then I also had to consider that the song that I wrote was about two minutes long, and then people might be playing that level for longer than two minutes, so I don't want it to be too grating. Uh, what was funny about that is that it, it was probably one of the toughest tracks to do, because I wanted to have all these great samples from Cassie Creighton, where she was just talking about pony corns and just silly things that happen in the game. So what I wanted to do with the game uh, or with the music for the ponycorn level is tell the story essentially of Sissy's magical ponycorn adventure where she starts out saying that she loves ponycorn. She asks the player if they like them. And then throughout the game, she acquires these ponycorns and puts them into jars because I guess that's what you do when you collect ponycorns. Yeah. That's my understanding <laughs> of the process. <laughs> so, so I've got samples from the game uh, that are more or less represented in the song um in the order that you would get them in the game and um what was fun about working with it is just getting all these funny bits of audio and then sequencing them into a track and building some music around it um at first there was a lot of pony corn samples like it was maybe a little too much uh but i scaled that back and um i also had some fun with the vocals with cassie's vocals or, well, I wouldn't call them vocals because she's just kind of talking. But right. but I pitch shifted them and I slowed them down. And there's parts where it's mixed in really low, but you could hear it on headphones, especially where you could hear her voice going, <laughs> So that ended up giving it a little bit of a sinister vibe, which I think goes well and relates to the rest of the music found elsewhere in the game. That's a really messed up level for Sinister because all of a sudden I'm fighting killer lemons and <laughs> <laughs> and they still bleed. Yes, they do. You know what? We should we should talk a bit about this game, like the actual game, because my God, man, like 
Ah, oh, my God. Okay, a week of my life, and you know we're talking about old games, right? Uh, in that retro feel, and you know all those old games that you and me grew up playing on NES and SNES and Genesis and onward. It's you're always on platformers. You're always standing on the platform, and there's people to to fight, and you fight them on this platform. And as we go along and games have to get better, we find new ways to fight them on the platform and you can, you know, punish them harder or the games harder, but you're always on this platform or jumping to another platform. And what I really loved about they bleed pixels, it's like, it takes away the platform and that's not the first game to do that, but it really encouraged, found ways to encourage me to let go of the ledge I was gripping. Yeah. Because there was no platform and to use, the empty space and to like take risks and trust that I'd be able to grab onto something again. Although I didn't always manage to do that. <laughs> um, you know, like um, you'll be on the, the ledge and you got to slip down and drop off and then jump, double jump to the next one. And then a ghost will show up and you have to fight him in that like non space. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it is a platformer, but like platforms are like a next to nil in the game. You know, there's no spot where you suddenly hit it and you're okay for five minutes. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of weird in that sense because there are a lot of parts of the game where the platform if you were to actually stand on it would kill you because it's covered in spikes or yeah. there's or there's a saw blade that's spinning around it really fast. So in a in a way there's a lot of parts of the game where it's I don't even know if you would call it a platformer, it's more like a a wall clinger where <laughs> You just jump and stick to a wall and you're sliding down really slowly and you're like, "Oh god, I got to go jump on this other wall and like drop kick a squid in the in midair. Yeah, that's what um because, you know especially those squids that'll line up and yeah they'll come right at you and you have to get off that ledge and drop kick them and then grab onto something else and hope a saw doesn't cut you while you're doing it because you know Miguel's kind of evil about this stuff but yeah he's crazy evil with this <laughs> game man like I remember one of the most fun things about the game is seeing noobs to the game play the game right because like when i first played the game i was terrible at it it was actually a lot easier than the final product so i've grown with it in, in a sense but going to events like tcaf or like gamer camp where the game has been shown publicly before it's really interesting because you see these guys coming up to it and like oh what is this and they think you know I've played a million side scrollers. Yeah, every, everyone's played Contra and Mega Man, so how hard could this be? And then you just see them, and they're just absolutely terrible because there's that tend to uh, that desire to just button mash. And, and the enemies in this game are smart. Like even the dumb, uh, the wraith guys who yeah, the kind of drones. That... Yeah, I think they're called shamblers, but they they seem really stupid. But like you can't do the same attack to them three times in a row because no, they, they'll block it. Yeah. And then they, they hit high and they hit low. So yeah. uh, I mean, just the AI on that is, is crazy. And that's something that spooky squid has been kind of known for is their being able to outwit the player with enemy AI. I don't know if you've ever played Night of the cephalopods or co-op cottage defense, but right. those games are really hard and it, it's quite simple. Like you're just, kind of holding your ground or in the case of Night of the Cephalopods, you're actually going out and seeking new power-ups and, and trying to just survive the night. But 
the squids are really smart in those games and then but when you can outsmart them it's kind of cool because it's accidental because i've caused quite a few squids to run into saws on their own oh yeah in in (laughs) pixels for sure because their main goal is i i believe their primary goal is to kill you and you know if they get hurt oh well so with those squids a very cool technique is to kind of hang out by a saw and wait for them to come to you and jump out of the way and they overshoot so yeah when they smack that saw it's the biggest dick in that game is the ghost um for my money but oh yeah because he just picks the worst times to visit you know and And then i mean it just supports my theory that ghosts in video games are generally dicks yeah well there's there's a bit of a throwback to the boo in the super mario games right where yeah if you're looking away it'll come get you and yeah, I didn't, but he's got this teleport thing going on at all the wrong moments. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's some scary stuff. At first, before that character was added to the game, the worst for me was the little guy with the dagger. I was oh, like, oh yeah. my god, I hate that guy. But now I'm, I'm pretty good at dispatching those guys and the squids, but the ghosts are a pain in the ass. Well, that's what's great about the difficulty. I mean, it, it's punishing, but when you get to the end of it, like when I got to the end of the game and I finished, the first thing I did is went back and started playing from the beginning again. And everything that I thought was hard at the beginning was so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, even though actually it was still kind of hard, but it was easier. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I'd get a C instead of a D. Um, whereas a lot of games, I don't care about my rank. Yeah. Because they've come up with some kind of combo score system that I don't really care about, which is, you know, the, there's a real investment here where you're you're specifically trying to just get your next spawn point. <laughs> Man, I've seen some YouTube videos of people playing the game, and it's just blowing my mind at how good some of these guys are, where they're doing these blind jumps and landing them perfectly, and just the the amount of dedication that some people put into playing video games is just awe-inspiring and and it's kind of cool because when i was younger and i had more time to play video games i would totally do that and and like try to perfect stages like play through a contra stage without getting shot and do you still have those like uh for me one of them's un squadron i know where every enemy is going to spawn so i know where to constantly position myself when i'm playing it yeah because when i was a kid i played it eight million times yeah i'm kind of like that with the first few stages in r-type because of uh, just the the nature of that game, where the guys show up in the same place, and sometimes an enemy will appear from behind you. And when you're yeah. first playing the stage, it's like he appears from behind you, and it crashes into you, and you die. And it's like, no, I had all these stacked power ups. But that that's something that's really cool about those old games that you don't really have that feeling too much with newer ones. Definitely. So now that um, your massive two-year project is finished, what's next for DJ Finisham? I don't know. For a while, I was considering that uh, this would be the very last DJ Finisham thing that I do, but <laughs> I, I think well, it would... You know, I, I'm only laughing because I find, like, <laughs> you, you start a project and you're super stoked about it, and then about halfway, about the halfway point, you want to die. Yeah. Because there's no light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and then... You somehow get to the end and you can see the light and you just start running for it. And um, then maybe there's a week where you crash and then it's like, hey, let's go start another crazy project. Yeah, I'm definitely in that point between 
projects now, but I do want to work with Miguel and Andrew again because they're fantastic guys. They're they're pretty low maintenance in many ways, uh, and then they're very demanding in other ways. But um, overall, it was just an amazing experience, and and the fact that they took a chance and enlisted my help to make the music in this game means a lot to me because they could have gone with somebody else uh there are a lot of other guys in toronto who make music a lot of them make it a lot better than i do but i think that uh there's just something about their style for this game and my style for the approach to making the music that just really clicked and uh, and it felt good and and i think that shows in the in the game I definitely agree that it sounds good too. And all of you can check it out on Steam because you can get the soundtrack along with the game or you can hit up Sean's Bandcamp page and get it there, which uh, we'll toss a link out for that, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll do that. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, because it's killing it on Bandcamp and I would imagine it's killing it on Steam too, but I can't see inside Steam, so. Yeah, uh, it's doing it's doing well on both actually. Um, I was considering not putting it on Steam, but now in retrospect, that would have been really stupid. <laughs> yes, Steam is a good place to be. Yeah, because they're like, people pick up the game and then they're like, okay, well the soundtrack comes with the game for like an extra few dollars. All right, well I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us about the soundtrack and the game. Well, thanks for and, chatting uh, with me. We'll of course keep up the date on whatever you get into next. Awesome. I can't wait to find out myself. All right. Good talking to you, Sean. See ya.